How about this? We're on a private jet, right? No, and all the passengers, they're asleep. Yeah. yeah. And I'm the captain, and you're the flight attendant. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Hello, Vicky. <laughs> hey, who's Vicky? You are. Why can't I just be me? All right. I just be me? Okay, all right, fine, fine, you're you. Hello, Debbie. <laughs> Boy, I uh, usually don't cramp up when I fly, but maybe you could take off your clothes and rub my neck a little. Okay, wait, Ray. Ray, can you just be you? I can't be me. I don't know how to fly this thing. Just forget the airplane. I just want to be here in our bedroom with you. What kind of pervert are you? <laughs> oh, what? no. What? No, everything's locked, turned off, or asleep. No, no. I just remembered. I think I'm out of stuff. Stuff? Yes, stuff. Well, there might be a tube of it around here somewhere. Tube? A tube. Yes, a tube. Unless you want to be a father again, look for the tube. Well, uh, where? What does it look like? Been so long, it's probably expired. Oh. Come on, everything was going so well. I was home, you were awake. <laughs> got it, got it. You got it? Got it. <laughs> yes. Ray, this is sunblock. <laughs> okay, now we're on a beach, right? <laughs> yeah. You're the rich society. I'm Juan the Cabana boy. <laughs> Bibles this morning, turn to Song of Solomon chapter 3. Song of Solomon chapter 3 this morning. As you're turning there, um, I want to share something really encouraging with all of you guys this morning. Some of you may have remembered uh, the story I told about the couple in our church. It was before um, Easter. We were doing um, the I Am Jesus series, and I shared the story about the lady in our church who had had a, a massive seizure, stopped breathing, and she was in the hospital. She was in a coma and on a respirator for six weeks. And they basically told the family, there's nothing else we can do. You know, we're sorry for your loss, but God had other plans and we've been praying for her. And she walked into church this morning. So Melissa, would you stand, Melissa Hunter, for all you've been praying? Can we just praise God for that this morning? Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. I tell you what, when she walked in, I just thought, wow, there's a miracle right there. And so thank you. I know that, that Des, Melissa, and their family greatly appreciate all the many, many prayers uh, for their family and what God has done. It's just been nothing short of a miracle. We give all uh, the praise and the glory to God. And so I just wanted to recognize them this morning because a lot of you have been asking uh, about that. Well, as we go into our message today, how many guys, by a show of hands, uh, men and women, you guys are excited about the message today? Raise your hand, all right? You should be. 
You should be excited today about the message. If not, you will be hopefully by the time we get through the end of this message. This is our third week of our series, God's Not Gray. And last week, I was really encouraged because there was this um, elderly man. He was probably in his 80s. He was visiting a family here in our church and, from Indiana. And so he came to me after the service. And, and I think he called me Sonny. You know, he's like, Sonny, Pastor. He said, uh, let me just tell you, if you preached a message like that in my little church, country church back in Indiana, all the little old ladies would have fell out of their seat. And then he said, but I liked it. <laughs> Spoken like a typical man. So hopefully today you're going to like uh, this message. We've been studying the story of King Solomon and the woman of his dreams, the Shulamite woman here in Song of Solomon. This is a true love story and we're applying it to our relationships and our marriages. The first week we talked about attraction, uh, what we want to be uh, to attract the right kind of person, uh, what we want to look for in a godly relationship. Last week we talked about honoring God in all the different seasons of our relationship. If we're single, we're not yet married, honoring God during that time before we're married. Then once we're married, honoring God during that season. You can find all these on our website, orchardchurch.tv. You can watch them, listen to them on, online. You definitely don't want to miss next week because next week we're going to talk about reconcilable differences. We're going to see this couple get into an argument, uh, get into a fight. Everything up until now has just been lovebirds, but they're going to get into a spat and they're going to work through it in a God-honoring way. And that might help our marriages a little bit if we ever uh, find ourselves in a disagreement. But today we're talking about God-honoring sex. God honoring sex. And this is nothing to be ashamed of. This is nothing to be embarrassed of. This is nothing to cringe at because God designed sex. It's, it's the world that has distorted what sex is and made it into a dirty word. But I believe it is God's gift to marry couples, to a husband and wife when they, they get married. But unfortunately, we live in this sexually saturated world today that is sending all these different wrong messages about sex. I mean, you turn on the TV, you, you watch movies, um, you, you go to Walmart, you know, and you're... The, checkout stand and there's pictures and things like that and on the magazines and, and on the internet and the, and the problem is the world has this message about sex but it's a distorted message it's a destructive message and it's dishonoring to God and so we're not going to be afraid here at Orchard Church to talk about God honoring sex because God is the one that came up with this in the first place and we're not going to be ashamed of what the word of God says amen and so I mean we need to be telling people what the truth is because the world is telling us things that don't line up with God's word. And so we're not going to be ashamed of this. We're not going to be uh, afraid of this because the truth is God designed sex and God honoring sex is beautiful and it makes babies and it's fun. One person in Orchard knows what I'm talking about. Good God honoring sex. Hopefully by the end of the day, there'll be more people saying woo, okay, than just one person. All right. I hope you'll take some notes this morning. We're going to talk about four qualities of God honoring sex that we're going to see in this story uh, from Song of Solomon. Four qualities of God honoring sex. And I hope you'll take some notes. And I didn't make these up. They're coming right out of the scriptures, right out of the Bible, right here from our text. The first thing is this. God honoring sex starts before the bedroom. And all the ladies said... Amen. Yeah, you can amen anytime you want during this message, anybody. Feel free. Okay, God honoring sex starts way before the bedroom. I think women kind of intuitively know this. Men, if we're honest, we need a little help in this area when it comes to God honoring sex. We need to understand it starts before the bedroom. I heard it said a long time ago that women are like crockpots and men are like microwaves. <laughs> Isn't that true? I mean, men, 
you know, women, it takes them a little while to be ready. Men are like, anytime, anywhere, any place, any position, let's go. You know, we're ready. Yeah, I got an amen from a man. There we go. It's going to be really fun today. Men have this innate ability. That was Marcial, our Spanish pastor. I just realized that. Are you going to sit on the front row every service? Because he was in the last one, I think, right down there, too. <laughs> Men have this gift, this ability to turn any conversation into a sexual conversation. Have you noticed that, ladies? You know, you'll be in the kitchen. You know, you'll be fixing, fixing some soup or something. She's like, honey, can you stir this pot for a minute? I'll stir your pot. <laughs> you know, hey, honey, I think my, my car needs the oil changed. I'll change your oil. You know, men love to add at the end of a statement. That's what she said. You know, men, men are like microwaves. Women are like crockpots. And especially men, we need to understand that God honoring sex starts before the bedroom. And we see that in this story. We're going to begin in chapter 3, verse 11. Now, let me remind you, up until now, uh, this couple has not gotten married. But today, they're, they're going to get married. Uh, they, they, they fantasized about their wedding night. They've talked about their wedding night. They've been in love. They've been infatuated. But they have not uh, given in to sex until now they're going to be married because this is the first time we see in the story the word wedding and spouse and marriage. And so in verse 11, we see the wedding take place. So everything from this point forward is between a husband and a wife, doing it God's way. In verse 11, it says, Go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see King Solomon with the crown, with which his mother crowned him on the day of his help me. On the day of his what? His wedding. They're now married. The day of the gladness of his heart. And then he's saying to her, now they're married. This is probably on their honeymoon, their wedding night. Behold, you are fair. You're beautiful, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. This is probably her wedding veil. Your hair, now watch this. He says, your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. Let me explain that, man, before you just try that line on your wife tonight, okay? What's he saying? You have long, flowing hair. I like your long hair. You know, I always tell Shelly, keep your hair long. I, I, I like that. And then he keeps going. He, he moves from her hair to her teeth. Verse 2, he says, your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep which have come up from the washing. What's he saying? You have very nice breath. You have white teeth. This would have been an accomplishment in this culture. This was before, you know, dental hygiene and toothpaste and mouthwash. You couldn't go to the dentist. So the fact that she had nice white teeth and breath was a big deal. He's complimenting her on that. And then he goes on and he says, these teeth that have come up from the washing, every one of your teeth which bears twins and none is barren among them. She's got all of her teeth. Yeah. That's what he's saying. You, you, got, you got nice hair. You've got nice teeth. What's he doing? He's getting ready for the bedroom, but he's, he's starting before the bedroom. He's complimenting her before the physical. He's building her up emotionally and spiritually, and he's encouraging her. He's meeting her emotional needs. Let me give you guys a great resource that, that will help you, both men and women. We've, we've done several small group studies on this called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman great book. Uh, he identifies that all of us have one of five love languages and you need to find out what is your spouse's love language and focus on that. This can especially be helpful to men and so I've given you that resource. You can go to fivelovelanguages.com. It's a really great resource to learn how can I meet my spouse's emotional and spiritual needs and build them up. You know, whether it's uh, quality time together or it's acts of service or physical touch or words of affirmation and, and that's what he's doing here. He's affirming her. He's building her up because 
God-honoring sex starts before the bedroom. You know, when I, when I was younger especially, I, I thought what was sexiest to Shelly, my wife, was when I jumped out of the shower and had my towel on and went, woo! You know? But that, I, I learned pretty quickly, that didn't really do much for her. You know? I don't, maybe that works for you guys, but you know what? I've, here's what I've learned. You know what one of the sexiest things that I can do for my wife to prepare for later? Vacuum. Yep, that's it. <laughs> That makes no sense to me, but to her, that's one of the sexiest things that I can do because she hates to vacuum. Now, if, if I vacuum and I vacuum in my boxers, that's even sexier. So I kind of couple those two together there. Okay, I better stop right there. And so I remember when our kids were little, you know, they're teenagers now, but when my, my kids were little and I would help with the kids, maybe put them to bed or read them a story or pray with them or give them a bath and help out, that was, that was sexy to my wife. She, she, she liked that because God-honoring sex starts before the bedroom or even today, you know, if I clean her car, vacuum her car out or I fill her car up with gas, which most of the times I forget to do, but when I remember, that's really sexy to her. Uh, recently, I told you guys that I, I bought her a puppy for Valentine's Day. Can I have an aww? Yeah, I bought, I bought her a puppy for Valentine's Day, and I'm pretty sure there was some God-honoring going on in the Dameron house that night after I got her a puppy. So, just a little hint, guys. As I told you last week, you, you know, it starts with intimacy. And remember, what is intimacy? Into me you see. It's opening up. It's sharing. It's, it's talking. Because God-honoring sex starts before the bedroom. Maybe, guys, it's sending her a little text during the day. Hey, I'm thinking about you. How you doing? I'm praying for you. I know you weren't feeling good. You know, how, how's your day going? I know you've got that interview at work. You've got that project. And, and just little things like that can prepare her. It starts before the bedroom. One of the things, guys, you might want to write down. I don't think I put this in your notes, but this is a bonus. You need to write these letters down. N-S-T. Men, you need to learn to focus on N-S-T. You know what N-S-T is? Non-sexual touching. Non-sexual touching. Men are like, what is that? That is touching that is non-sexual, meaning it's not a means to an end. You know, it's holding hands, putting your arm around her, cuddling, hugging her. Those things will help you because God honoring sex starts before the bedroom. That's what Solomon's doing here. He's encouraging her. I like your hair. I like your teeth. He's building her up. He goes on and he's very specific. He doesn't just say, hey, hot mama, come on over here. He doesn't do that. He's building her up. Watch verse 3. He says, your lips, he's gone from the hair to the teeth to the lips. The, your lips, verse 3, are like a strand of scarlet. You've got these ruby red lips and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate. You've got rosy cheeks. Your neck is like the Tower of David built for an armory on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. In other words, you hold yourself with, with confidence. You're, you're, you're respected. So he's, he started with the hair, and then he goes to the teeth, and then he goes to the mouth, and now he's at the neck. He's working his way down. And buckle your seatbelts because he keeps going, as we're going to see in just a moment. But he's complimenting her. He's encouraging her. He's building her up because he understands God-honoring sex starts before the bedroom. If you got it, say yes. Okay, number two, God-honoring sex is passionate. 
It's passionate. And this surprises some people. I think some people think, well, you know, uh, sex between a husband and a wife, it's just not as passionate, you know, as it was before what other people have. And that's not true at all. God has intended God honoring sex between a husband and a wife to be extremely passionate. And we see that in this story because he continues to work his way down. Here we go. You ready? This is in the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. Verse 5. He says, your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies. Your two breasts are like twin fawns, twins of a gazelle, two fawns that feed among the lilies. Now I want to give you guys, so you make sure you get this, an example of these twin fawns. So if we can put a picture up, all right, there you go. There's the two. What did you guys think I was going to put up there, you sickos? Come on, this is church. But he's painting a picture. He says, your two breasts are like this. Now, this leads us to talk about something. Let me talk to the men, then let me talk to the ladies. Men, how should you approach twin fawns that are browsing among the lilies? You don't just go, ah, honka honka. You don't, don't do that. You don't do that with twin fawns. Because if you do, the twin fawns will no longer be browsing among the lilies. They'll be fleeing for the forest. Amen, ladies? <laughs> you thank me later. Remember, God-honoring sex starts before the bedroom. You've got to be gentle. You've got to be caring. You've got to be, be gracious. And, 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 and I'll just kind of stop there, okay? You've got you to watch your uh, approach. Your approach matters. It starts before the bedroom. And he paints this picture here. Now, now let me say something to the ladies about your approach. Men, you got to be careful with your approach. Men, ladies, you got to be careful with your approach. Let me help the ladies. Let me give you some advice about your approach. All right? You might want to write this down, ladies. Just make an approach. <laughs> Just make an approach. Anything will work. We're easy. Just make any approach. Any approach will do. Everything looks better in satin. Let me just tell you. All right? Because he, listen, he wants to know that you want him and desire him not out of duty, but out of desire. Every man wants that. And so when you make an approach, it makes him feel good. You know, she, she desires me. I, I, I've, I've never heard of men saying, I'm too tired. It just doesn't happen with men. So ladies, just make an approach. In 22 years of marriage, I've never said I'm too tired. Never, never said that. Just make an approach. Men, be careful with your approach. Ladies, just make an approach. Any approach will do. I heard this story about um, this, this church that they were on a married couple's retreat. And they, were, they said, now this next session, we're going to talk about uh, lovemaking between a husband and wife. And so we're going to separate the men and the women. And so they put the women in one room with the, the pastor's wife and, and the men in the other room with the pastor. And the pastor said, okay, man, before we talk about this subject, I just want to take a little poll. And let, let me just ask, how many of you men would say that you're physically intimate with your wife several times a week? And all the young guys raised their hand, you know, all the newlyweds. And he said, okay, okay, how many of you men would say it's about once a week? And there are a few more men that raised their hand. He said, how many would say it's about once a month? And there was, you know, some of the men raised their hand. He goes, and I hate to ask this, but any of you men, would you say it's, it's just once a year? You're, you're only physically intimate with your wife just once a year. And everybody kind of looked around. They're kind of snickering, and it was quiet, and nobody was raising their hand. All of a sudden, the very back, this guy jumps up, and he raises his hand. 
And, and the pastor says, sir, did you understand the question? You're only physically intimate with your, your wife just once a year. And he goes, yep, that's me right here. Once a year, once a year. And he goes, well, sir, I have to ask you if it's only once a year. Why are you so proud of it? And why are you so excited about it? Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. <laughs> There's going to be an approach. Now, this next thing I'm going to share with you about an approach, I, I, I'm able to share with the permission of my wife who is in this service. And I say that because I, always, I don't always get her permission, but I had to, she had to sign off on everything in this message. You know, she threatened me with, with uh, my, my life. And so I share this with, with permission as I thought about how does Shelly make an approach to, toward me? And there's different ways, but one of the most common ways is this. She'll say to me, lock the door. And when she says, lock the door, I'm like, yeah! Just keeping it real. She gave me permission. That's, it. That's all I could tell you. She, she says, lock the door. And so sometimes she'll tell me to lock the door. Sometimes she'll say, I locked the door. I like that. Because she's making the approach. And then, this is one of my favorite. Sometimes I'm laying in bed and she'll still finish getting ready. She's brushing her teeth. And then all of a sudden, I'll hear her go over to the door. And I'll hear, click. And I'm laying in bed. She may or may not think I'm asleep. But as soon as I hear, click, I'm like, yes. Tonight's the night. I like that. There's, a, there's an approach. This is so true. Uh, true story. Uh, about a year ago or so. Now, we've always locked the door, you know, especially those of you with young children. You know how important it is. You lock the door. You know, and when our kids were very young, the door would be locked. They'd come up, you know, they'd knock on it, you know, whatever. They didn't know what was going on. Well, we still locked the door. Now, my son's off at college, but my teenage daughter, who's 17, is still home. And this was about a year ago. She was like 16, and she comes up to our door, and she knocks on the door, and she realizes it's, it's, it's locked. And she goes, hey, what are you guys doing? We're like, we're We're sleeping. She goes, no, you're not. I can hear you. You're not sleeping. And we're like, well, hang on just a second. And she's like, what are you guys doing? And she grabs the door. And she realizes it's locked. And then reality finally hit her. And the next words out of her mouth were, you sickos. True story. We laughed. We laughed and laughed and honored God. <laughs> She wouldn't look us in the eyes for like, you know, a week after that. So, but God honoring sex is passionate. It's okay. Lock the door. Make an approach. Men, work on your approach. Be careful with the twin fawns. Ladies, make an approach. Make an approach. And, and you know, this is important. God has given you this gift to enjoy. And, and life can get extremely busy at times. May, as crazy as this sounds, you may even have to put it on your calendar. We're going to have a date night. We're going to have a God-honoring night. Uh, we're we're going to get the kids a babysitter. We're, we're going to go away. We're going to get a hotel. We're going to put some candles on. You know, we're going we're gonna to draw a bath. We're going to put on some Marvin Gaye. You know, you plan for it. Now, you, can, you might even need to put this on your calendar. It's okay. God wants you to enjoy this. Put it on your calendar, married couples. Now, be careful how you put it on your calendar. You got to, because your kids might see it. So use code. You know, like fun day Sunday. Monday morning madness. Two for Tuesday. Wow, wow, Wednesday. Oh, you better stop me. I got more. Throw down Thursday. Or one of my favorites, Freaky Friday. You say, what about Saturday? Sabbath Saturday. Because if you just had Freaky Friday, you need a break. Okay? 
Put it on your calendar. Is it okay if we have fun with this stuff? Is that, is that okay? Well, if not, I'm going to have fun without you guys up here, okay? Because God-honoring sex is passionate. He says, Solomon's like, I like the fawns. I like them. It's okay to admit that. He goes on in verse 6, and he says to her, his, his wife now, he says, I want to be with you until the day breaks and the shadows flee away. Now, remember, this whole thing is a song. And that sounds like lyrics to an 80s song, you know, until the day breaks and the shadows flee away. He's like, what is he saying? I want to be with you all night long. Hashtag in the Bible. Hashtag passionate. It's okay. And then he says in verse 6, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. I'm not completely sure what that even means, but I like it. It sounds good to me. In the Bible, marital sex between a husband and a wife is not just for, pro- for procreation. Some people say, what's well, just for procreation, just for having babies? It's also for recreation. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to be passionate. You see that very clearly here in Song of Solomon. So God-honoring sex starts before the bedroom. God-honoring sex is passionate. You want to hear more? Good, because you're going to. Number three, God-honoring sex, very important, is built on trust. It's built on trust. We talked about this last week. Uh, a relationship is only as good as the trust in that relationship. And God-honoring sex is built on trust. Verse 7, he continues to say to her, You are all fair, beautiful, my love. And watch this. There is no spot in you. Wow. I mean, a woman will love you, man, if you say that, something like that to her. You are perfect in every way to me. You're the perfect wife to me. You're the perfect mother to me. You're the perfect woman to me. There's no spot. There's no flaw. You're perfect in every way. And we haven't had a lot of fun with this, but, but let me say this in all seriousness. Never, ever, ever say something negative about your spouse's body. That's a good place for an amen. Never. That will break trust in that relationship quicker than anything. And if we're honest and we're real about this, when you get married, let's say you get married around, you know, 23, 25 years old, and you're on your wedding night, and you see each other's body, listen, let me just tell you, that's probably as good as it's ever going to get. Can I have an old amen from those who've been married 25, 30 years? I mean, that's, as, that's probably about as great as it's going to get. At that point, it kind of goes downhill from there. I mean, at some point, the twin fawns become the twin falls. Or, you know. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Edit, edit that out. Edit that out. <laughs> oh, I'll get to the men. Just hang on. <laughs> you know, if she has bore you children, the gift of children, there's probably there's going to be some stretch marks. There's, there may be some baby weight. And you know, what those, you know what those ought to be reminders to us, men, fathers? She gave us the gift of our children. I mean, those are, those are battle wounds. Those are beautiful. Those are amazing. And men, listen, we try to act like we got it all together even when we're older and, you know, nothing bothers us. But men can be insecure too, too as you get older. And, and ladies, you need to encourage your man and you need to build trust and you need to build him up. He's probably going to lose hair in some places he doesn't want to lose hair and he's going to gain hair in places he doesn't want to gain hair. And you need to encourage him. Maybe he doesn't feel like he can satisfy like he once did and you need to encourage him with that. And, and this is so important that you don't miss this, church. Married couples... You are each other's only God-honoring way to find sexual fulfillment. 
Let me say that again. Inside of marriage, you are the only, you are each other's only God-honoring way to find sexual fulfillment because anything outside of that dishonors God. You know, Paul reminded us of this. I don't think I put it in your notes, but it came to me yesterday. Just write it down, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And, and Paul said this, because there's so much sexual immorality today. Boy, he could be writing that today, couldn't he? Because there's so many temptations and there's so much sexual immorality today, each man should have his own wife and each wife should have her own husband. And the husband should fulfill the wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. It's a way to keep each other pure and holy before God in a God-honoring way. And when we withhold that, it leads to temptation and seeking that fulfillment outside of a God-honoring way. You know, ladies, you have emotional needs, and he probably has physical needs. And let me just say, his physical needs are just as important to be met as your emotional needs. And men, let me say, her emotional needs are just as important to be met as your physical needs. And most of the time, but not all the time, usually it's the man that has a stronger physical need, and she has a more emotional need. But sometimes today, there are women that have more of a physical drive and need, and, and the man has more of an emotional need. Whatever your spouse's need is, you're to meet it in a God-honoring way. And when we meet each other's needs inside of marriage as husband and wife, it builds trust in that relationship and it honors God and it, and it fosters purity. If that makes sense, say yes. Very important. Very important. God-honoring sex starts before the bedroom. God-honoring sex is passionate. God-honoring sex is built on trust. And then maybe the most important we've saved for last, very important, God-honoring sex number four is holy. It's holy. It's sacred. It's special. It's spiritual. Verse 8, notice what he says to his now wife. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. He calls her his spouse. With me from Lebanon, look from the top of Amana, from the top of Sinir and Hermon, from the lion's dens, and from the mountains of the leopards. And most scholars say these are distant places he's describing. And what he's saying is we have kept ourselves at a distance physically, but now we don't have to do that any longer because we're married and we're going to honor God in this way. And it's beautiful and special and it's okay. And he goes on. He begins to say these things to her, continuing to build her up and cherish her. Verse 9, he says, you have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. And he's not really his sister, okay? They're not from Arkansas here, all right? Sorry, I picked on Arkansas last week. They, my sister in the Middle Eastern culture, he was saying, we're now family, you know, I, we're husband and wife. We're in the same family. You're my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes, with one link of your necklace. How fair is your love. How beautiful is our love, my sister, my spouse. How much better than wine is your love and the scent of your perfumes and all spices. Your lips, oh, my spouse, drip as honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Three times he refers to her now as his spouse, as his wife. They are married. They have honored God and they have waited for this moment. As we've seen in the last couple of weeks, they've kept the little foxes out of the vineyard so they don't spoil the vineyard and God's plan. They have not stirred up love before it is, it is time. But now it's time and now it's okay. And they're saying this is a holy thing before God because we've done it God's way and we've waited. 
We hear the word holy a lot in church, but we don't hear it so much when it comes to God honoring sex being holy. Let me, let me expound on this. I want to share some things for a moment with you guys. I hope you, you'll, you'll think of this in a different way, that you'll, it'll be meaningful to your marriage. It'll be meaningful to your kids as you pass this on to your kids and your grandkids. The word holy means set apart. It means set apart. They, they have up until this point set themselves apart until God's timing. And they've set themselves apart to honor God. They said, we're going we're gonna to have something different. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. We're going to do it different. We're going to do it in a holy way. We're going to set this apart. We're going to be different. We're going to be pure. The inference here, uh, all scholars believe that these two were virgins when they got married. They saved themselves for this time. And verse 12 through 14, he describes her. And, and he uses imagery. But he's talking about her body. Listen to this. He says... Verse 12, a gar- you are a garden enclosed, my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. What is he saying? You're a virgin. You know, the night of, we got married, the day we got married, you were a virgin. You were sealed up, you were shut up. Your plants, your, your body are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits. Fragrant henna with spikenard, spikenard and saffron and calamus and cinnamon with trees of frankincense. She smells good. Myrrh and aloes with all the chief spices. He's saying this is beautiful. We have waited till this time and we've waited on God. This is holy. This is special. We're going to honor God now. This is spiritual and this is God's plan. And this is where it gets a little uncomfortable. I've said it every week. But I have to, based on what the scriptures say, this is important. Not to make anyone feel bad, but to, to free us from the distortion of the messages of sex the world is sending. When two people are dating or two people are engaged and they're not yet husband and wife and married, they make a decision, one of two decisions. We're either going to honor God together and wait or we're going to sin together. It's one of the two, according to the scripture. Now, I know when I say that, for, for some people, they're like, that's old-fashioned, that's archaic, that's outdated. But that's what the Bible says. Pastor, don't you understand? We live, you know, in, in 2015. But, but the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't believe he's changed his plan. If you agree with that, say yes. This is God's plan. Now, now here's where we have to be careful. Because I kind of grew up in a church like some of you guys where, you know, if the pastor spoke on this, which really didn't in church, but maybe in the youth group, you know, in the student ministry when we were teenagers. And the message when it came to sex and talking to teenagers was always like, don't do it, don't do it, bad, bad, bad. Sex is a, is a dirty word. Don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. Almost to the point that when two people would get, a, a, a man and a woman would get married, they heard don't, 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 no, no, no so long, they almost felt guilty even on their wedding night. Because it was always just told what not to do. But it's important we understand what to do and why God says we should wait. Would you agree? That's just as important. And maybe if we talk about why we should wait and what the picture is, then the positive message would cause people to say, you know what, that's worth the wait. That's worth waiting on. So why is sex between a husband and a wife so special? Why is it so holy? Here's one of the reasons. You have it in your notes. Because marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. Contracts are made to be broken. Covenants are not. Covenants are a promise. A covenant is a binding spiritual agreement between our spouse and God. What does the Bible say? Whatever God has brought together, let no man separate. That's why we say when we get married, till death do us 
part. Not until we're not happy any longer. Not until you're not meeting my needs any longer. That marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant with each other. A binding spiritual agreement. And it's a covenant before God. And it's so important. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. It's so important that we understand that it's a spiritual covenant. That God gives us a sign of the covenant. A physical representation of what has happened spiritually between a husband and a wife. You think about in the Old Testament, when God would make a covenant with his people, an agreement and a promise, what would God tell the people to do? Go and find an animal, a lamb, without spot, without blemish. It's pure. And kill it and shed its blood. And the blood being shed by that pure animal would be a sign outwardly of the spiritual covenant between God and his people. You come to the New Testament and there's a new covenant. What is the new covenant? God says, I want to save you. I want to forgive you your sins. I want you to have a relationship with me. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was without spot, without blemish. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And he shed his blood on the cross to forgive our sins and to allow us to enter into a new spiritual covenant with our God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that representation was the shedding of blood. Now you come to marriage. And what does the Bible say? God says, this is my desire. This is my plan. That a man should leave his father and mother and he should be joined to his wife. And the two shall become what? One flesh. Spiritually and physically. There's a covenant. Now, now don't miss this. In God's perfect world and design, on the honeymoon night, the virgin man is to enter into the virgin woman. And there's a shedding of blood. And it's a picture and it's a sign of the covenant that God honoring sex is holy. It's a covenant between each other and it's a covenant between God. And every time from that point forward that the husband and wife are physically intimate, it's a reminder of that spiritual covenant that we are one flesh in the eyes of God. I belong to you and you belong to me. So see, sex is not only fun and passionate and makes babies, it's intensely spiritual and holy. That makes sense. Say yes. And that, my friends, is worth the wait when you understand what God is asking us to wait for. And so we got to be careful. We don't just say no, 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 no. We talk openly about this with our kids, with our teenagers. We've had very open, frank discussions about sex and that it's not a dirty word and it's not a bad thing. It's something worth the wait inside of marriage because we we want them to look forward to that. We want them to plan on that. And I heard this story, a a, a pastor friend of mine, and he said at his bachelor party, some of his buddies gave him some boxers and all over the boxers it said, no, 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 no. But he said, then when you turned out the light, it glowed in the dark and it said, yes, 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 yes. And that's what he was supposed to wear, you know, on his wedding night. But you know what we need to be saying? Because I think we say, no, 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 so long. And then all of a sudden on the wedding night, we're supposed to go, yes, we. What we need to be saying is wait, 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 wait. God has something beautiful. God has something special. God has something amazing. It's a picture of the holy covenant between a husband and wife. I love this, this statement. One writer said it this way. Sex is not only something is not only the search for something that's missing, it's the expression of something that's been found. Man, that's good. Let me say that again. Sex is not only the search for something that's missing, it's the expression of something that's been found. 
And this couple, King Solomon and the Shulamite woman, they have found something special in each other and before God. And now we're going to watch what happens. On, on their honeymoon night, this couple, they have loved each other. They have cared for one another. They have pursued one another. They have respected one another. And all along the way, they've respected God and they've honored God. And they've waited to do it God's way. And now here's what happens. Hang on to your seats. Verse 15. Remember he described her on the wedding night? He said, you're like a, a fountain shut up, a spring that's closed. Well, that's about to change. Verse 15. He says, now you are a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from Lebanon. Woo-wee! And then she says to him, Awake, O north wind, and come, O south. Blow up my garden, that its spices may flow out. That's in the Bible. Ladies, that's called an approach. If Shelly says something like that to me, it's on. Blow up my garden that its spices may flow out. That's an approach. Let my beloved come to his garden. Because she now belongs to him and he belongs to her. And eat its pleasant fruits. Thus saith the Lord. Yes, yes. I love the Bible. I, I'd like to go into detail and explain the picture of verse 15 and 16, but I promised Shelly I would not. You guys could figure it out. As we wrap this up this morning, I, I know this is sparking some different emotions as it has every week. Uh, for some of you that are married, you're looking back how you guys were before marriage, and you're going, well, we blew that one. And, and, and quite honestly, you're not fe feeling very holy right now. For some of you that are single, and maybe you're dating someone, or you're engaged to someone, you're like, oh, man, we're not doing it that way. We're like two rabbits in spring. And you don't feel very holy right now. Uh, some of you, you can look to the past, and you willingly gave your virginity away, and you don't feel very holy right now. Some of you had your virginity taken from you, by a monster, and you don't feel very holy like right now. I can identify, as I've told you, I think every week, before Shelly and I met and decided we're going to do it right, we're going to do it God's way, we're going to wait before that, I didn't feel very holy. I had messed this up royalty in a lot of relationships. But when we met, we said, we're going to do this right, we're going to honor God. And I want you guys to hear this loud and clear. We don't make things holy, God does. God does. This is not about making anybody feel guilty. This is not making anybody feel shameful. I don't want anybody to walk out of here feeling that way. I want some of you to walk out of here in forgiveness and cleansing and freedom. Because the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. It doesn't matter anything you've done in the past. It can change today. Old things have passed away. Everything else has become new. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all all unrighteousness. We don't make things holy. He does. And no matter what you've done leading up to this morning, from this day forward, it can change in a moment. It can change for you. It can. And all you have to do 
is give it to God. Ask him to forgive you. The Bible says he will separate our sins as far as the east is from the west, and he doesn't even remember them after that. When they get brought up, it's because our enemy is trying to make us feel bad and feel guilty. And some of you just need to make a decision from this day forward. We're going to honor God. I'm going to honor God. We're going to honor God. We're going to do it God's way. It, it's been interesting the last several weeks that we've been talking about this. We've been almost every week been flooded with people that are wanting to get married now here at Orchard Church. I mean, our calendar is like filling up. But it, what's amazing is because people are saying, listen, we haven't been doing it God's way. We want to do it God's way. Isn't that a blessing? We had a couple just this week. They, they just started coming to Orchard Church the last couple of months. And she accepted Christ as a younger age, but she'd been away from the Lord. He accepted Christ here at Orchard Church about a month ago. They've been living together for four years. They came to us this week and they said, we want to get married this summer because we want to do it God's way. And from this day forward, we're not going to be together physically intimate anymore until we're married. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. And the challenge is the same for all of us. Let's make a decision to have God honoring sex. If we're single, by waiting for something special and holy. If we're married, remembering it starts before the bedroom. It's passionate. It builds trust. And it's holy. And I mean this with all seriousness. And you're going to laugh, but I mean it. I challenge all the married couples, just the married couples, tonight that you honor God together. And you remember the holy covenant that you have between each other and God. And you can say to your spouse, Pastor said. <laughs> Pastor said. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can have fun in church because this is a subject that, that um, you, this, you created, Lord. You made this. We've allowed the world to distort it and take it away and make it something dirty and ugly. And it's not. Help us to take it back. According to your word. And help us to honor you in this area of our lives. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you're married, I just want to ask you this simple question. As a married couple, how many of you that are married would say, you know what? We want to make sure we're honoring God together in our marriage in any way that God has spoken to you about the subject. Could you slip up your hands, married couples, for prayer? God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Single people. How many that are single here, whether you're a teenager, you're in your 20s, 30s, you're single again, whatever your age, you'd say, you know what? I, I think God's got something special for me. God's got something holy, and it's worth the wait. And I promise you, singles, you'll never regret waiting. You won't. You won't. How many of you singles would say, would you pray for me, Pastor Doug? It's as difficult as it is, I want to honor God, and I want to wait for something special like Song of Solomon. Can I pray for you, singles? Would you slip up your hand? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Thank you, teenagers. Thank you, single people. Father, I pray that we would be doers of your word, not just hearers only, and that we would honor you in this very sacred and very special and beautiful area of our lives. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you can't begin to honor God in this area of your life or any other area unless you know God personally. And the way you know Him is through a personal relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, who shed His blood, a new covenant to allow you to enter that relationship. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to receive the forgiveness of sins and a new life and new hope today. I want to lead you in a prayer. A prayer of faith, you can pray from your heart to God's right now. I'll give you the words. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith and belief behind it, you can invite Jesus into your life today. He'll forgive you of all your sins, past, present, and future, and give you new life. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you shed your blood for me. A sign of the covenant 
the promise that I can have a relationship with you. Jesus, I want to experience your love. I want to experience your forgiveness. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior today. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you. With heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer of faith and you meant it from your heart to God's, you prayed it for the first time, I'd love the honor and privilege to pray for you that you would grow in your relationship with Jesus from this day forward. If that's you today, would you slip up your hand real quick so I can see it? God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you, young man. Thank you. Anyone else? Just slip up your hand and put it down. Pray for me, Pastor Doug. I accepted Christ today. I, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. God bless you. Thank you. Several hands. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I pray for all those putting their faith and trust in you today, entering that spiritual covenant of new life and new hope in you. And I, and I pray that their lives would never be the same, that they would grow in the relationship with you in the days ahead. And I pray that we would honor you, Lord, in all of our relationships, that we would honor you, that we'd have God-honoring sex between a husband and a wife, that we'd do the things that would cultivate the beauty of what you've designed and the beauty of Song of Solomon that we've read and that we'd experience something very special and very holy for your honor and your glory and our good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate Decisions for Christ today? Amen. If you made a decision for Christ today, you raised your hand and said you accepted Christ, please let us know about that on your connection card. Check the box. Give us your contact information. Drop in the offering bucket when it goes by so we can continue to pray for you and send you some information in the mail to help you in your new walk with Christ. If you're a first-time guest, thanks so much for being our, our guest today here at Orchard Church. You, you definitely want to be back next week as we talk about reconcilable differences, working through fights and arguments. Um, first-time guests, hopefully you filled out your guest connection card today. Drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. Uh, first time guests, we're not interested in your money today, but we're definitely interested in you. So let us know who you are. We're going to send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail uh, today. You guys glad you came to church today? All right. Let's stand as we close this song of worship and worship uh, through giving. God bless you guys. Honor God tonight.